chapter 4. I'm glad to be back this week. Last week, my wife and I and the kids, we went to Washington, D.C. and took that week to just enjoy everything that, that is there. It's such a beautiful place. I recommend that you check that out if you haven't been to Washington, D.C. and checked out all the memorials, especially if you have a, a military background. Um, you know, I just so encourage you to go check out the memorials and the different things that are just happening. There's just such a beautiful, reverent place to go to. It really gave me more reverence for just love for America, for, for our country, for, um, for just the men and women who serve. Uh, just such a beautiful, beautiful play and, uh, or, or display of, of, of that reality there at Washington, D.C. Also, my wife took me, uh, checked off a, a bucket list item. Anybody got a bucket list? And one of my favorite, most prolific uh, writers and musicians, uh, Juan Luis Guerra, was in Washington, D.C., so she got us tickets to that. And so that was a blast, right? A bunch of island people and Latin people in a place, you know, it was loud. And uh, it was just a super great time. And I'm so thankful for my wife. She loves me well. She loves me well. <laughs> so. Anyhow, today... I want to talk to you as we continue this series on the kingdom of God. We've been talking about the kingdom of God, um, and I have gone through Matthew 3. Now I'm going into Matthew 4 as we go verse by verse as the Holy Spirit leads us. The last time, I, I, I want, what I want to do is just give you a little bit of a recap so that you can jump in and know where we're at. We've talked about how God has invited us to be a part of his kingdom. God has a kingdom. He's inviting each and every one of us to be a part of that kingdom. He says to us, the door is open. Come follow me, right? I stand at the door and knock in some regard. Uh, the doors are our hearts. God says, you know, I stand at the door of your hearts and I knock. If you answer, I will come in and dine with you. So it's an invitation from God to be a part of his kingdom. But it is his kingdom, right? Which means he is king. God is inviting us to be a part of his kingdom. He knows that there's a transformation process that's going to take place in our lives, but it is his kingdom. It's not a partnership, and it's not a democracy, right? He is king, and there is a way to be a part of the kingdom of God, and we talked about that way being the, the, the gift of repentance. God has given us a gift of repentance, and what is repentance? Turning away from sin and turning to God. It begins with the revelation Oh, this is sin. This is not pleasing to God. And the second revelation, oh, I need a savior. I am not able to save myself from my sin, right? That all comes from God. If you had that in your life at one point or another, that was a gift from the Holy Spirit making you aware of your desperate need of a savior. And that's really good news, right? So it begins with repentance. And that repentance is a revelation of our sin sickness and a revelation of our Savior, Jesus Christ. And it continues with affirmation. The following week, we looked at the baptism of Jesus as we celebrate baptisms today. When Jesus was baptized, the Father affirmed Jesus Christ. Did you see that? The Father spoke over Jesus. The Holy Spirit descended over Jesus. And what, what did the Father say? The Father said, I am pleased with him. This is my son, in him I am pleased. And in that, he was affirming, number one, I have called him, he is mine, and I do have a difficult journey for him, 
right? Because it was significant to recognize him as a lamb, as the lamb of God. Also, we see that the Holy Spirit descended on him. So the Holy Spirit descending on him was an equipping, was an empowerment for ministry that was symbolized there at that moment. So we see that the kingdom of God, we have access to the kingdom of God because the Father invites us. The ticket is repentance. And then as we turn to God, he empowers us with his affirmation, with his love and his Holy Spirit and all that we need. The Bible says we have everything that we need for life and godliness. Do you know that right now? Do you live like you got everything that you need for life and godliness? Because you do. Even if you don't have enough for the bills. Come on, somebody. Anybody ever been there? Even when you don't have enough for the bills, the Bible says you have everything you need for life and godliness. You can trust them. Amen. So, so, so we have everything that we need. So again, the kingdom of God is about repentance. The kingdom of God is about affirmation. And boy, do we need the affirmation of God's word. We need it. We need the affirmation of the Father. Now we continue in the next portion, something that's super important to understand about the kingdom of God. Today we talk about the kingdom of God and temptation. Today we talk about the kingdom of God and temptation. You know, temptation is a big part of our walk with the Lord. As long as we're here on this side of eternity, each and every one of you will deal, each and every one of us will deal with temptation. But I once thought, I feel like there are a lot of you who can fill in the blank here. But I once thought that there was going to be a place in my walk where I would not be tempted, where I would be temptation free. Just thought, you know, temptation, that's because right now I'm a baby Christian, but when I get strong, I'm going to be like some spiritual Jackie Chan. I'll knock the devil out. I'm going to have no problem. With temptation, right? I thought when I got baptized, I'm going to come out of there like Elijah the prophet. Glory to God, right? Like ain't nothing going to hold me back. And would you believe I had struggles after baptism? I, I remember when I was baptized in the Holy Spirit. You know, I was just praising God. I was seeking for it for a long time, and it didn't happen. Then I just said, you know what? I'm just going to worship you anyway. And one day in a worship service, I just opened my mouth to praise God, and boom, there I am speaking in tongues. I'm like, whoa, right? I remember when that happened, the presence of God in my life at that moment. I thought, that's it. Now I'm like some Holy Ghost Terminator. (laughs) Would you believe that I still struggle with temptation? I, I remember when I was called in the ministry and knowing for sure, without a shadow of a doubt, that the Lord had his hand and his favor over me. That moment I thought, yeah, holiness is going to be easy now. That's what I needed to get free from pornography. That's what I needed to get free from all these you know, issues that I'm having, just to know that I'm called in the ministry. Surely, now that I'm called in the ministry, pornography is not going to be as strong as it was before. Come on, anybody with me? I thought that there was a point in my life that that point would come where temptation would not be a reality. But it was a fallacy. It was a lie. And the enemy used that lie to destroy my walk with God. He tried, right? And so you and I have to understand temptation. We have to understand temptation and the role that it plays in the way of the kingdom, Maybe you have those fallacious thoughts keeping you from seeing clearly the reality of those who are a part of the kingdom of God. That reality is that you 
are in a war. You're in a war. Are you with me? And no one is comfortable in the trenches. Nobody is comfortable in the midst of a war. And there is an alertness that the church needs. It's almost comical the way we do church life. You know, we do church life and we look for churches that make us comfortable and that meet our needs and that have all these things. And remember, we were building the foyer and somebody was like, awesome. Is there going to be pop? Are you going to start serving pops? Like, no. I said, oh, man, what a bummer. Yeah. Can you believe it? I think the Holy Spirit is still going to be here, but no pop. And, you know, I'm having fun with that, right? We can enjoy a good facility and honor God with everything that he's given us. But sometimes we're so comfortable, people, that we forget we're in the middle of a war. Maybe you're coming to church and you're saying, well, I've been coming to church. I should be temptation free. Maybe you're raised in a Christian home and you think, well, I've been raised in a Christian home. My mom and my dad, they love Jesus. Matter of fact, sometimes it's 2 a.m. in the morning and my mom's waking me up, speaking in tongues over me, anointing me with oil. I'm, mom, I'm trying to go to sleep. I got to go to school. What's going on? I mean, my house, it's a Christian home, but I still have temptation. Maybe you're here and you're saying, man, I can't believe that I struggle with the things that I struggle with. My parents are Christians. It seems I have everything, but I'm still battling with temptation. There must be something wrong. I must not be loved by God. What's the deal? Maybe the gifts of the Holy Spirit are operating in your life and you've heard yourself prophesy and you've seen how God speaks through you in a powerful way or you've prayed for someone and they've been healed and yet there's still temptation. See, what the enemy would want you to do is to discredit the work of God in you and your relationship with him simply because you're tempted. But you and I need to see temptation in the right light, as we look at this scripture that we're about to read, the main question that many of us would have is, why are we tempted if we have given our lives to God? Why are we tempted if we've given our lives to God? I'm so glad you asked that question. <laughs> what you believe, that's exactly where we're going this morning. Go with me. There, we're going to read Matthew chapter 4, verse 1 on down. Then Jesus was led by the Spirit into the desert to be tempted by the devil. We're going to start again. Then Jesus was led by the Spirit into the desert to be tempted by the devil. After fasting 40 days and 40 nights, he was hungry. The tempter, uh, he was hungry, (laughs) period. (laughs) I can understand that. The tempter came to him and said, If you are the Son of God, tell these stones to become bread. Jesus answered, It is written, man does not live on bread alone, but on every word that comes from the mouth of God. Then the devil took him to the holy city and had him stand on the highest point of the temple. The devil said, if you are the son of God, throw yourself down, for it is written, he will command his angels concerning you, and they will lift you up in their hands so that you will not strike your foot against a stone. Jesus answered him, it is also written, Do not put the Lord your God to the test. Again, the devil took him to a very high mountain and showed him all the kingdoms of the world and their splendor. All this I will give you, the devil said, if you will bow down and worship me. 
And Jesus said to him, Away from me, away from me, Satan, for it is written, Worship the Lord your God and serve him only. Then the devil left him, and angels came and attended him. I love what Luke says. Luke says, Then the devil left him until another opportunity rose. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for your word. We need you to walk us through this today. Break the strongholds that set themselves up in our minds from keeping us from understanding the truth of your word. Awaken us to the fact that we're in a war and that we have been given everything that we need to succeed in this war. Lord, in Jesus' name, I pray for an anointing to declare and receive your word today. In Jesus' name, amen. Number one thing that I think you and I need to pay attention here in this portion of Scripture, we're not going to dive into all of it, but there is a connection between what Jesus was experiencing and what Israel experienced, right? Back when they were led out of Egypt into the promised land, they were in the desert for 40 years, a journey that should have taken 40 days, okay? Here is Jesus who is fasting For 40 days, and the same temptations that Israel experienced then are the temptations that Jesus experienced. A temptation of food, of temptation of grumbling, of taking matters into his own hands. And the way that Jesus actually responds is actually the way that Israel should have responded to God. Remember, Jesus said, um, um, uh, the devil said to Jesus, hey, tell the stone to turn into bread, you know? If you're the son of God, and how does Jesus respond? He responds, the word of God also says, man will not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. Where is that scripture found? In Deuteronomy, where Moses reminds the people, remember when you grumbled against God and God showed you who he was and he taught you that you should not live by bread alone, but by every word that comes out of his mouth. And also another portion of scripture, the other temptation says, when the devil says, throw yourself off a cliff. Throw yourself off a cliff, and the angels will protect you. They will, they, will, they will guard you because you're the son of God. The Bible, Jesus again responds in the same way, pointing to that Israel, that Egypt, that desert experience. He said, yeah, but you should not test the Lord your God. And that is referring to the time when Israel tested God and grumbled against God, and judgment came over, came over Israel. And with every turn, as Jesus was responding to the devil, Jesus was saying, I know what's happening here. And he was turning to the word of God to do his warfare against the enemy. The word incarnate turning to the word to do his warfare. It's an incredible reality. But what I want to do is not dive into all those different intricate details, which are amazing. I would love to. What I'd like us to do is just focus on the element of understanding temptation as a part of the kingdom of God. As kingdom children of God. Understanding the reality, the nature of temptation. Number one, the Bible tells us clearly, Jesus was led by Peter into the wilderness. Is that what it says? He's led by the Holy Spirit. Jesus was led by the Holy Spirit for what purpose? To be tempted by the devil. Why would the Holy Spirit lead Jesus to be tempted by the devil? 
This is a conflicting scripture in light of the fact that the Bible tells us that we should pray, lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. So is this a contradiction? What is happening here? Why would the Holy Spirit lead Jesus into a place where he would be tempted by the devil? It makes no sense. I'm so glad you asked. The word temptation here, the word temptation here needs to be rightly understood as tested. Jesus was led by the Holy Spirit to the desert for a time appointed by the Father where he would be tested. His faith, his dependence on God would be tested. Why? Because Jesus was fully God, 100% fully God, but he was 100% fully man. And it's because he was fully man that he's able to identify with us and be tempted. If he wasn't able to identify with us, if he was this robotic Jesus, right, then why would we trust that he would understand what we go through? But he understood exactly what, he understands what we're going through because he was fully man. He was tempted as a man. But because he was fully 100% God, he was also able to withstand the temptation that 100% man went through. You understand? 100% man tempted, but 100% God able to overcome. All at the same time. This is why you cannot compromise the doctrine that Jesus was sinless. And you cannot compromise the doctrine that Jesus was human. Without, without those two, you, it all falls apart. You see. And so... The Bible tells us that the Holy Spirit led Jesus to a place of testing. And I want you to understand what temptation is. Temptation is basically, in layman's I'm just going to give you a simple definition that I'm going to give you today. Temptation is being offered an alternative to the will of God that's more pleasing to the flesh. Temptation is being offered an alternative to the will of God that's more pleasing to the flesh, right? That's what temptation is. And so when temptation comes, that alternative comes with all kinds of things. That alternative comes with the temporary pleasure that the sin brings. It also comes with the long-term strongholds that the sin brings. It also comes with death, right? So temptation then, what we need to see temptation as being is any time an alternative to obedience to God is presented to us that is pleasing to the flesh, that in itself is temptation. Now, aware of that reality, what does that mean in regards to Jesus? It means that Jesus in his flesh, that his, as a man, there were times where he desired to do differently than obeying the Father. It means that his flesh, Jesus in his flesh, fully human, 100%, fully God, but his flesh still desired to do different than the Father desired. Can, is there proof of that? Yeah, Gethsemane. What did he pray? Father, let this cup pass from me, an alternative from your will, but let your will be done and not mine. See that? But let your will be done. In other words, he struggled in his flesh, to be submissive to the Father, even as fully God. Let's look at some scripture. Hebrew chapter 5, 7 on down. In the days of his flesh, he offered up both prayer and supplications with loud crying and tears to the one able to save him from death. So Jesus was in anguish. 
crying out to the Father. And he was heard because of his piety. The, the, the appropriate term, or some, some would say because of his reverence. But what, how we should see it, I love the NIV translation here. He was heard because of his reverent submission. You know what that means? He knew who God was. And he was unwilling to go in his way, to do his own thing. He submitted to the will of the Father because he had reverence for him at all costs. Although he was the son, he learned, and so it goes on. And he was heard because of his reverent submission. Although he was a son, he learned obedience from the things he suffered. Although he was fully son of God, he still learned obedience through the things that he suffered. Do you think that you and I got some things to learn through suffering? And having been made perfect, he became to all those who obey him the source of eternal salvation, being designated by God as a high priest according to the order of Melchizedek. In other words, it was God's plan for him to go through everything that he went through, everything that he suffered, in order for him to be able to empathize with you and I and intercede for us and be able to have the compassion and understand our frame. Praise God you have a Savior who understands what you go through. Isn't that good news? Jesus knew anguish. Jesus went through things that he did not want to go through. Those things that he went through were necessary for his ministry. And so it's important to understand, though we may be, as as we move here to try to add some clarity, though we may be led by the Holy Spirit at at times, uh, to times of testings, God is not the tempter. Okay? Even though we're led to times of testings, listen, you live in this world. Every single day, you're going to be offered alternatives to obedience to God. Every single day. And it needs to happen because God's created you to have free will, to choose for or against him. Because if there's no free will, there's no love. Right? And so if there's love, love requires two things, freedom and responsibility. In order for there to be love in a relationship, in a marriage, I enter into this covenant freely. And because I am free to love, I covenant to love, I make myself responsible to love, which comes with accountability. Does that make sense? Mm -hmm. And so there has to be alternative. Temptation has to be a part of the walk. Why? Because alternatives have to be there if we're really going to commit to God and not to the flesh. Now, though we may be led by the Holy Spirit uh, two times of testing God is not the tempter. James 1, 12 on down says, Blessed is the man who remains steadfast under trial. Trial here is the same word as temptation. It's the same exact Greek word. Greek word. For when he has stood the test, he will receive the crown of life, which God has promised to those who love him. Let, no, let Carlos never say, let Jonathan never say, let none of us ever say when we are tempted, God is tempting me. For God cannot be tempted with evil, and he himself tempts no one. But each person is tempted when he is lured and enticed by his own desires. Then desire, when it has conceived, gives birth to sin, and sin, when it is fully grown, brings forth death. God, this is going to be a little bit philosophical, but stay with me, and I'm going to ask for five to ten more minutes of your time this morning. Is that all right? Are you with me? Okay. Three of you said yes for the whole. Amen. That's okay. Listen, I I want you to understand something. God is, in his nature, is always holy. Evil is everything that is outside of his nature, right? So God never operates outside of his nature. 
Jesus is fully God. Jesus loved us so much that in order to identify with us, he took our frame. He became like us. So even though he was fully God, he took our frame, was fully man. And now Jesus, who's fully God, is also understanding how this flesh operates. This flesh is cursed. Why? Because Adam and Eve disobeyed God. And that sin was passed down from one generation to another, just like the HIV virus can be passed down from one generation to another. You understand that the only problem is AIDS has nothing on sin. Sin is 100% proof. You did it once, it's introduced in the entire world, right? And now Jesus says, I love them. Father, send me. I will go and I will take this broken, corrupt flesh. All humanity is that. I will be 100% and I'll deal with that reality. But in my godness, I will redeem them from the curse of sin and death. You understand that? So then Jesus took on that frame and, uh, and so in that sense, he understands and he, he understands how the flesh desires things that are contrary to God, but God doesn't. God is not the one that tempts. And so you and I have temptations. And those temptations come because where do these, te- why do we get, you know, have you noticed, I don't know about you, but I hate my sin worse than I hate anybody else's sin. I hate my sin. I hate my sin. If you hate somebody else's sin worse than you hate your own sin, you need to come to the altar. You need to repent. There's something wrong with the way you're looking at things. But when you're really desiring holiness, I hate my, I hate my sin. I, I, I'm not even going to, I hate the sin. I'm not going to take dominion of that because it doesn't have dominion of me. But I hate the sin that I commit, right? I hate it. And so uh, in, in, light of, uh, in light of that reality, where does it come from? The Bible says from the flesh. Some would say, well, when does that start? Does that start at birth? Does that start when I open a door to something? Does that start when somebody says something to me or when I disobey God? The answer is yes to all of that. That could be passed down from generation to generation. Certain sinful behaviors passed down from one generation to another generation. Have you not heard someone say, well, he's an alcoholic and his father was an alcoholic, his great-granddad was an alcoholic, and he was an alcoholic, Right? You see certain things that are passed down from generation to generation. Are you telling me that you didn't see some of your parents' sin passed down to you, and then you realize that you got to take ownership of that and stop blaming your mom and your daddy? Or is it just me? There are things in the flesh, right? They come, and we hate it. God, I hate this. Oh, I would just be better if it wasn't for this. Oh, I would just be such a victorious man and woman of God if it wasn't for this. And God says, newsflash. I love you, and you are victorious in me. I'm greater than this sin. Come on, let's go. Let's go. We can get up from this. So temptation doesn't come from God. It comes from our own flesh. As we're lured and enticed, the alternative comes. It is desirous to the flesh. Obedience is difficult. Can I get an amen? Saying yes to God is difficult. And so uh, an alternative is presented, and the devil's there in that alternative. So temptation is not a sin. Temptation is not a sin. It is a reality for every believer. If temptation was sin, then Jesus was a sinner. And he wasn't a sinner. And if he was a sinner, he couldn't be a perfect sacrifice. Right? But he wasn't a sinner, so temptation is not a sin. Many of us are like, 
I can't believe I'm being tempted to go to the computer and look at this. I can't believe that I'm being tempted to pick up a drink. I can't believe that I'm being tempted to gossip. I can't believe that I'm tempted to do this. I must not be loved by God. No, you're loved by God. But this is where you grow in that love. This is where you begin to fight for your relationship with God. You know, nothing's going to get in the way of my relationship with God. I describe this all the time, but it's how can I describe this better? If somebody's trying to approach my wife in a flirtatious way, something's about to happen. My voice will get deeper. My look will be serious, right? Because I'm in covenant relationship with my woman. Won't you dare cross that line? You understand what I'm saying? We have to have that fight with our relationship with God. It's almost like, oh, I'm being tempted again, and I'm just going to give in. This defeatist attitude, and God is saying, I need you to have fight for me. I had fight for you. I gave up everything for you. I need you to have fight for me. I need you to keep holy for me. I need you to keep sexually pure for me. I need you to obey me with, the, with your finances for me. I need you to have fight for me. Does God not have the right to the man that his bride would have a fight for him? There's a fight that we need to have, but temptation is not a sin. It's an alternative, but you need to see it as it is. That's a bad alternative. No, devil, get away from me. The enemy, the enemy, of course, will always present alternatives. We're moving fast here. Second thing that I think that we need to understand here in this war. Notice the enemy will always attack who God says you are. The devil will always bring temptation. And in the midst of that temptation, whether before or after or whatever, he's always going to question who the word of God says you are. So you're the son of God? Oh, why don't you turn this stone into bread? Oh, so you're the son of God? Why don't you throw yourself off the cliff? Let's see how big a son of God you are. Oh, you're a daughter of God. Is that right? Well, let's see how you act here. Oh, you're a daughter of the living God? Well, then why are you going through this? You must be a neglected daughter. (laughs) Oh, anybody with me? Every single, and in that, and he begins to work our minds, and we begin to say, man, it's not fair. Life has been hard. Where is God? Where's the midst? What's going on? Am I really a daughter of God? We hear those thoughts, and we think that it's us. It's the devil in the midst of those thoughts. And we're just hearing those thoughts, and we keep entertaining them, and we become bitter. And then when a sister or brother in Christ tells us to stop thinking like that, we're just like, oh, you're just so spiritual. You know, it's like we're trying to correct them and get them to see what God really has them for their life. But they just, you know, they continue in that. And then all of a sudden the enemy says, well, you know, God hasn't been so good to you. How about this? But how does he begin? Beginning to chip away at what the word God says about you. The devil tempted Jesus and in his temptation, he was getting Jesus. He was trying to get Jesus to question who he was. If you're the son of God. If you're the son of God, if, Jesus, if the devil attacked Jesus' identity, he will attack our identity. And for this reason, you and I cannot bystep, and I'm going to close here because this is so important. For this very reason, 
you and I cannot afford to not get the affirmation of the Father. I want you to think about this. Jesus was just baptized and affirmed by the Father. After the affirmation, he went and he was tested. You and I need affirmation from God so that when the time of testing comes, we're strong in this affirmation. You understand what I'm saying? So what I'm saying. You need to be in the word of God and begin to understand who the Bible says you are. You need to be praying and having an intimate relationship with God so that you can understand that you're loved by God. He's got a purpose for your life. You need to begin to let God say to God, God, transform my mind because I don't want to think the way that I think. I don't want to think the way the world thinks because if I do, I'm going to miss out on what you're really saying. I may become bitter. I may not understand your will. I may be looking for a fair, fairness or whatever it may be instead of looking for obedience. God, I need you to cleanse this mind so that when the time of testing comes, I be ready. You need the affirmation of the Father. Some of us need to hear this. You need to stop. And as the sister said to me earlier this morning, Monique said, you know, there's a difference between, between knowing that you're loved by God and letting God love you. There's a lot of you who know that God loves you. question is, are you letting him love you? Are you spending the time with him? Are you receiving the word of God? Are you declaring it over yourself? Are you allowing that affirmation to wash over you? Because I'm going to tell you, if, if, you're, if you're not allowing that to happen, testing is coming. Right. And the enemy has one plan, kill, steal, and destroy. Right. Would you stand with me today? There's so much. We'll just continue next week. I'm so excited about what God's doing here. Thank you. Repeat after me. I will not be foolish. I will receive the affirmation of the Father. I will wait for his affirmation. Amen. Amen. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Some of us live our lives like train wrecks. We just go 90 miles per hour, one direction and the other, spiritually just pouring ourselves out, pouring ourselves out, pouring ourselves out, just running here and there, no stability, and we're ramming against the wall, ramming against the wall, and the enemy's been there saying, well, you're a daughter, huh? Some daughter you are. Oh, you're a son of God. Where was God there? And God is, I believe, strongly is saying, he is calling you and I to wait, to just be still. Don't move to the left or to the right. Just wait. Receive the fullness of his love and his affirmation. Some of you here today have been just battling with temptation. You're, you know, this season for some reason or another has been tougher than others. And you're in the trenches. And you feel like, man, I must be, you know, terrible. God, God's favor must have just left me. I must not be a child of God. 
That's what the enemy wants you to feel. I must not be a child of God. You know, young adult, I want you to hear this for single young adults. I'm about to get personal here. One of the biggest struggles, uh, one of the biggest lies that the enemy presents is, um, how do I say that? That our struggle with our minds and our thoughts and with lust are a, a clear indicator that we're not submitted to God. But the fact is, if you're struggling, God is leading you into deeper submission. God is leading you into deeper submission. For our single people here, if you're struggling, God is leading you into deeper submission. You're in God's perfect will. You're in, God, in the center of God's perfect will when you're struggling and you're saying no to sin and yes to him. Doesn't make you less a Christian. And there will be certain temptations that won't be temptations anymore. There will be times for certain things, you know, they're, gonna, they're not going to be there anymore. There's certain things, they're not temptations. I used to drink, used to smoke. Those things, they don't tempt me. As a matter of fact, some, some things gross me out. You know, like, I just, I've lost the appetite. There are other things, that thing needs to be on the cross 24-7. You know, I need to be aware that the enemy is always trying to hook me back in. So, again, the temptation that you struggle with, no matter what the temptation is, does not mean that you're not a son or a daughter. Don't buy into that lie. Give that to God. Give that to God. Let's pray. Father, thank you, Lord. Thank you for your great grace. I certainly thought that we were going to go uh, in another direction today, but you're God and I'm not. So there it is. And so, Father, would you begin to minister to the people here who come today who need freedom? Would you, Lord, at the altars, bring freedom, peace, joy? And thank you, God, for the work that you're doing in us. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Hey, you're here today and you're saying, you know what, Pastor? I need to learn to be still and receive the love of God. I, I realize that I'm just always running, running, running. And I'm, I need to train myself in learning how to be still and receive the love of the Father. Just receive His affirmation so I can be confident. And it's hard for me. And, and let me just explain what that means. I'm having a hard time getting in the Word of God. I'm having a hard time getting in prayer. I'm having a hard time getting in rhythm there. And I just need prayer um, because I want to hear the voice of God. It's important to me, but I'm having a hard time with the basic things. Hey, I know what that's like. If that's you, would you come up to the altar? We'd love to pray with you. I know what that's like. Let's just pray and, and pray that God would strengthen your resolve. Listen, don't be ashamed. You're, you're not the only Christian who struggle with their Bible reading and they're having a rhythm in their spiritual walk and their prayer life. For some reason, I also thought, man, there has to be better Christians than me that just love prayer and love to be in the Word of God. And it's just like, wow, woo, awesome every time. That ain't true. You know, it's training. It's the training process. Maybe you're here and you're saying, you know what? I'm going to engage in the training process because I need to receive the affirmation of the Father. I can no longer go through life without that affirmation. If that's you, would you come to the altar right now? Let's pray. Now, the last call, the last call. You're here today, and the temptation that has tempted you 
you felt like that separated you from God. But you realize, no, that temptation only points to the fact that you recognize that you are desperate in need of God. And you realize today you can have victory over that temptation. You don't have to give in because greater is he that is in you than him that's in the world. I want you to come up to this altar because I want you to put that temptation in its place. What's temptation? An alternative from the will of God that's pleasing to the flesh. And you don't have to give in to the flesh. You can feed your spiritual person and have the power to overcome. If that's you, would you come to the altar right now? You say, hey, you know what? I'm going to put temptation in its place. I realize that it is an alternative to the will of God, and I am surrendering it today. I'm giving it to him. Listen, um, I share this all the time, and I'll never stop sharing because I'm still ministering and counseling people who struggle in this area. I had, a, I had, I had some strongholds. But among them was this, a huge stronghold with pornography. Fasting and praying and seeking God and for some reason giving in, giving in, giving in. But just struggle and the struggle and the struggle and the struggle and the struggle. At one point, there was a minister who made an altar call at my school where I was a part of the ministry team, the preaching team at Southeastern University. There's some of you who are really struggling with some things that you need to give over to God. They're hindrance to you and your ministry. And I thought to myself, man, if I go up to that altar, I lose my testimony, I lose my reputation, and I lose preaching. I'll never preach again. I mean, I was so scared of what would happen if I walked up to that altar. No what's going to happen? How are they going to see me? And then the Holy Spirit just spoke to me there, and he says, That's, that may happen, and you can also be set free. So at one point, you got to figure out what matters most to you, what people think or the freedom God has for you. And then I'm going to realize I need the freedom God has for me. And it matters to me more than my reputation. It matters to me more than my reputation. And would you believe it? Since that moment, God opened more doors than closed doors. God spoke to me more clearly than, than, more, than muffled. I had more opportunity to minister to men of God than ever before in my life. Would you believe it? Because God honors those who honor him. So if that's you today and you're saying, you know what, I'm going to give the Lord. I'm going to give the Lord room to strengthen me. I will not allow temptation to overcome me. I say today, I will not let the flesh win. I give my life to follow the Lord. I put this temptation in its place. If that's you, would you come to the altar right now? Let's pray. Let's pray. Let's pray. Amen. So, Father, thank you today. Thank you for victory. Thank you for freedom. Thank you for your affirmation. Thank you for teaching us on temptation, Lord God, the reality of it, and that it doesn't define us, that we don't have to give in to it, because you give us power, resurrection power. Sin has no longer dominion over our lives when we commit ourselves to you. So we thank you today. In Jesus' name. Amen. And God bless you. God bless you. The altars are open. If you need prayer, we'd love to pray with you.